So, uh, indeed, one of the best new hymns that have come along in the last, uh, I don't know, generation. That might sound like an exaggeration, but it is that song that we just got through singing, Is He Worthy, by Andrew Peterson. It captures just such something so breathtaking and important. Do you feel the world is broken? Yeah, we do, we do right? You, you sense it. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. You know, I love that song almost inordinately so, more than maybe I should. Uh, I don't know if you can love a song too much. But I really do. It, it, it gets me choked up when I, when I sing it, when I think about the words uh, very, very deeply at all. Because it, it just gets at the heart of, of what we were talking about earlier, the worth of Christ, and particularly it's, it's that worth of Christ set against just everything that's wrong with the world. Like there's so, there's so many things that people are negative about. Some of you maybe are even bent a little negatively. Anyone in here want to admit that, that you just kind of have a dark outlook on life? Nobody's going to put their hand up, right? Okay, all right. Yeah, well, you work in a prison system. That would probably get it for you, CC, yeah? Um, but yeah, you, but it, it's true. When you, when you see Christ against that backdrop, you see that he is worthy. Advent, as we've talked about, which, by the way, we conveniently have candles lit with when we celebrate um, Advent, it, it speaks to Christ's coming, his coming into the world. It's something we talk about every Christmas. You may feel like we've kind of done it to death and that there's nothing new that, that we can say. Uh, but when you look at the New Testament, I, talk, I talked about this last week, there are at least, I would say, 30 times that the word come, arrive, sent, um, uh, take on, these, these various words that, that speak to Christ's incarnation, why he came. Almost always, invariably, it says why, and there are a lot of different reasons why he is said to have come. And usually, there's the indication that, that he pre-existed his coming. And, and so we're looking at one today that, that we haven't looked at yet, and that is that Christ came to destroy the darkness. Christ came to destroy the darkness. And so, you know, if, you, if you're bent a little toward the dark, this is hopeful. This is good stuff. Um, using darkness here in kind of an overarching way, there are various ways that the, that the Scripture uses the term darkness, but I'm kind of using it as the scripture sometimes does, sort of a catch-all for everything wrong, everything evil. Yeah? Will that work? Will that work? I mean, uh, you look at John 1, 5, it says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Or we read, and this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Christ was essentially on a mission when he came to earth, he was on a mission to turn on the lights. I don't know about you, but I love it when somebody turns. When I'm in darkness, um, literal darkness, I'm not a fan of darkness. People that know me probably are aware that I grew up with kind of a fear of the dark. Um, and uh, so somebody turned on the lights, that was the greatest thing you could do for me. That was like the, the best when the lights came on. And that's what Christ came to do. He came to turn on the lights. He came to dispel the darkness. There are three, uh, three enemies that he takes out in this. First of all, he destroys sin's pusher. He destroys sin's pusher, which I know makes Satan sound a little bit like a drug pusher. 
But when you think about it, he kind of is. He, he kind of is. I mean, he, he comes along, you know, with our, and, he, and he takes people and he tries to make junkies out of them. Junkies of sin. He promises them all the, you know, the typical things that a pusher does. Oh, you're going to love this. Oh, it's going to be so great. Oh, this is going to do such good things for you. What could possibly go wrong? What, you're going to die? No, you're not going to die. This is going to enlighten you. You're going to be like God. Isn't that what, what Satan did pretty much with our, with our, uh, with our fathers uh, uh, and mother, you know, Adam and Eve? Satan continues to this day in that same role. He is referred to in the scripture more than once as the tempter, as the tempter. That's what you see when Jesus goes out into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. It speaks of him as the tempter there and, and elsewhere. And although he is not God, he doesn't have, he's not parallel to God. He doesn't have the same um, omnipresence and other things going for him that God does. Yet we can still think of him as a decided enemy. That he, is still, he still plays that role. Paul can say that we're not ignorant of the devil's schemes. That implies that Christians still have to uh, deal with that. Peter says that the devil goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. James says resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now what I'm getting at in all of those cases, even though there's the, we know that sin comes from our flesh it comes from our, our own evil desires and so on and so forth, yet the role of Satan is still in there. He is, he is still the tempter. John writes, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. If you want to know what connection you have with the devil, there it is. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Look for Advent, it's coming. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Did you see Advent in that? Why did the Son appear? Why did Jesus come? Answer, he came to destroy the works of the devil. He's the good cop who comes in and he busts the pusher and he puts them in jail and he, and he finds the, the, the addicts and he gets them into rehab. He came to destroy all that the devil does, all whom he had wound, the, the devil had wound, wounded and harmed. The writer of Hebrews says something very similar. Look for it here. Since therefore, now this is a little more, the word come doesn't appear here. So look, look for the word that indicates Advent. It says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. Where was Advent in there? Partook, right? In, that's, the, that's the incarnation. He came, he took on, he partook of our flesh. In other words, the eternal Son of God took on our humanity. For what purpose? What is the purpose? To destroy the works of the devil, to destroy the one who has the power of death. That's old Slewfoot, in case you hadn't figured out who we're talking about. Old Nick, the devil. Christ came to destroy him. Now, at this point, you may be thinking, well, hmm, did Christ fail? Because last I checked, the devil still seemed, in fact, was it Hal Lindsey that wrote the book, uh, The Devil's Alive and Well, Living on Planet Earth? You have to be pretty old to remember that book. That was, that was hot stuff back in the 70s, as I recall. But uh, anyway, like what, what is going on with that? 
Well, a couple things. First of all, understand that the word destroy here, for destroying the devil, is not a word that means to annihilate or kill. It is a word that means to render useless. Render useless. He is rendered useless. He is a defeated foe. You're like, I'm not even sure he's been rendered useless, has he? Truly? Well, there where the kingdom of God is pushing out into the world, how does, how does the kingdom of God advance? Through the gospel, falling on receptive hearts, Christ coming to dwell in the lives of believers, that's where the kingdom is, is rooted, and there where the kingdom is, the gates of hell do not resist it. The, the, the gates of hell are being pushed back. Dear Christian, Christ came as a man to destroy the one who, if allowed, would destroy your soul and carry it down to hell. Is he worthy? Is the Lord Jesus worthy in that light? I mean, how good, how worthy is he? Christ has not failed. We are weak, yes, that is true, but he is strong. I think that, I think that was in another song that people used to sing. <laughs> yeah, we are weak, he is strong. Peter was weak. You remember that moment when Peter denied the Lord? Shortly before he denied him, Jesus said this to Peter. He said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. But I have prayed for you. Christ destroys our enemy, and he ever lives to intercede for us. Isn't that great? Our ancient poisonous serpentine snaky enemy cannot overcome the work of Christ that we're talking about today. Our champion took on our flesh, strode out onto the battlefield, took down the giant, cut off his head, held it up in the air for us to see, and he says, come on, come with me. Yeah, I've destroyed the one who would destroy you, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. He destroys sin's power. Uh, sin, like drugs, is an addiction which enslaves. Like the people uh, of Egypt, Christ came. Uh, like the Israel, I'm sorry. Like the Israelites being being set free from their bondage in Egypt, the people of God, the New Testament people of God, well, really, His Old Testament people too, have been freed, have been set free from bondage, the tyranny of slavery. Paul talks about this in Romans six. John talks about it. Well, it's Jesus actually. Through the words of John, he says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Do you see Advent there again? The reason the Son of God came was to destroy the works of the devil. We were slaves to sin. We were. We, we were like the, like the devil in one sense who'd been sinning since the beginning. To be a, a sin junkie means that you belong to the one who sells you the, the stuff, right? The sin, the sin's pusher. But Christ came not only to free us from the pusher, but to free us from the stuff that was being pushed on us. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with the whole analogy? So it's not just the drug dealer we're being freed from, but it's the drug as well. Because of Christ's work on the cross and the redemption that is ours, we are delivered from our old slavery. Sin is to be no longer our masters. We're no longer helpless. We're not obligated. Paul can say this to the Romans. So then, brothers, we are debtors, 
not to the flesh to live according to the flesh for if you live according to the flesh you will die but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live and he says as well for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law but under grace the Christian life is not meant to be lived and squandered in a relentless pursuit of sin that we feel simply helpless and given over to If you've repented of your sin, if you've turned to faith in Christ, then you are now a new creature. You're a new creature. You are in union with Christ. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. And in that new creatureliness, in that work that Christ has brought about, we are to be killing sin. We are not simply giving up and waving the white flag of surrender to sin. No, we engage against it. This is not a work that's done in the weakness of our, of our flesh. It is a work that is done in Christ. This is one of the key reasons he came, was to free us from sin. The sweet little baby in the manger, the Son of God, doesn't just come to forgive us of our sins. He doesn't just come to pay the, the price of our redemption. He doesn't come just to justify, but he comes to give us a power of a new life. And freedom from the tyranny, the dominion of sin. Now, probably for some of you, this starts to sound wrong. Because there's a false understanding that some Christians have. And it's, it's like a bad extrapolation. You know, you can have, we should know this by having gone through COVID. <laughs> uh, that you can have bad extrapolations. You can start with data and the data's right, right? Don, you're, you're a sciencey guy. You got data and the data's right as far as it goes. But then you have to take something and do something with the data. Well, okay, so you think about what we, can, what we know as Christians. Christ came to save us. He saved us. We couldn't save ourselves. We were lost. We dead in our trespasses and sin without hope, without God in the world. All that's true. He saved us entirely as a work of his, not by our works, lest we should boast, he says. All of that is true. It is all of grace. It was not through any righteous thing we had done. True, true, more true. Yes? And another truth is that we're never going to be perfect in this life. John says if any man says he, he's without sin, he, he, he's lying, and the truth is not in him. So we do fall short. But the upshot of all of that is not give up, therefore, and go and just sin all you like. That's not the Christian answer to sin. Rather, because we have such a great high priest who came in our flesh, who knows our weakness, we are to lay aside every sin that so easily besets, running the race with endurance, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's, that's the extrapolation that, that we are to have. We, we, we are to yield to him, yield to his sanctifying work, yield to his spirit, not be yielded over to sin. The defeat of the tempter and the defeat of sin's power means victory. It is victory. It's not, it's not a permission slip to go and live badly. It, it, as I said in the last, as I finished the first point, it is a trumpet blast to join the battle. Our champion has come. He has defeated sin. He has defeated the power of sin. He goes forward. We are to follow him in that. 
Not to simply retreat into, well, you know, I'm a sinner, I can't do anything, so I might as well enjoy it. It's, it's not the Christian answer. It's not the answer. And he destroys sin's penalty. What's this, what is the penalty of sin? But that's not what sin's pusher told us. <laughs> Don't you remember how that went when he, when he was tempting Adam and Eve? He showed them how good the sin was, how good the forbidden fruit was. And then he says, you know that God's fella, what a, what a jerk. He, he told you you would die. You're not going to die. You'll be fine. In fact, you'll end up being just like God. That, that, was, that was how he sold us on it. And then, of course, uh, lo and behold, we did die. Death came into the world. Sin and death and judgment, eternal death, separation from God. They were cast out of the garden. That's the wage. Paul calls it wage. He says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what is sin's penalty that Christ came to destroy? Death. Death in, in its physical sense, death in its spiritual sense. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. You're saying you're reading the same thing again. Yes, I am, and I know it. Um, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, so that's the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Do you see the reason for Advent here? It's not only that, that, that our enemy had to be destroyed, had to be nullified, had to be rendered useless, but also what had to happen was that fear of death had to be taken away. We had to be delivered from death. Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested look for Advent, manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Why did Christ appear? Why did he come? What's Advent about? He came to abolish death, to bring life and immortality to light. Isn't that wonderful? That is a good word. Death and fear, the, pang, the pangs of, of, of the fear of death are, are bad. Without Christ, they're scary. People kind of push them away as best they can. Someone once asked Woody Allen what kept him up at night. This is not a verbatim, but it's close. And uh, as I recall, I don't know what they were expecting for an answer, like, oh, flop at the box office or something like that and, and in only that way Woody Allen could, could say was well I'm afraid of death I'm afraid of dying which should be kind of one of those duh answers to a question people push away the fear of death they manage to convince themselves that other people die have you noticed this by the way that people around you have a habit of dying if you're, if you're my age, it just seems like the whole population of the earth somehow has died and replenished in, in my lifetime. It just, it just, but you, there's something in us that doesn't want to admit the idea, the fact that we are going to die. We want to convince ourselves if we do die, if we do die, we try to convince ourselves that, well, it's nothing followed by nothing. Death will be nothing, and then they'll be followed by nothing, and after the nothing will come more nothing. 
But Shakespeare kind of nailed that one, right? When he said, to die, perchance to dream. Aye, there's the rub, for in that sleep of death, what dreams may come must give us pause. As Paul would say, so death spread to all men because all sinned. We sat in darkness, in nature's night, in the shadow of death, waiting for someone to come and turn on the light. Christ is that light. Christ is the light that breaks out in the darkness of our fear, in that gloom of certainty of death. Advent is the light of life and hope for all who believe. Death loses its its sting. Death is conquered at the cross, and it will forever be conquered. Did you know that, that death, along with Hades, is going to be thrown into the lake of fire? That's what the book of Revelation tells us. That, that, that lake of fire that was prepared for the devil and his angels, and just for good measure, Christ is going to toss death in there too. Christ turned on the light. Advent's purpose was to destroy death, and it will finally be conquered in the fullest sense, and death will be no more. Now, what difference does that make? I'm serious, like what, what difference does it make if, if the fear of death has been taken away? Does it make a difference in how you live? Think about what, what's being said here. Think about what's being said. Death, to abolish death. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Christian, do you believe this? That's the truth. If, we don't, if, that, if, that's true isn't, if that truth isn't true, we're of, of all men most to be pitied, is what Paul says. But we believe that Christ came. He came to the world to abolish death and that that has, that has in fact taken place, that you and I need not fear death. I can think off the top of my head of probably about a half dozen TV shows and movies that have a theme where somebody in that either movie or in that TV series can't die. Can you think of any off the top of your head? Like Doctor Who, that would be a big one, right? He doesn't die, he just regenerates into into something else. And I don't know, one of the things I noticed when I thought about this illustration, I thought in in almost every single case of one of those fictions where somebody can't die, there's almost always a little bit of cynicism involved. Isn't that strange? But if our lives are hidden in Christ with God. If we cannot have our lives taken from us because our our souls are held in the palm of Christ's hand and held there safely, then it's nothing to be cynical about. That's hope. You and I have hope. Our life isn't pointless. It's not meaningless. It's not in vain. Suddenly, with, with this knowledge, there is hope of eternal life. If for a moment in this world our enemies seem to prevail, it's but for a moment. Even if they were to kill us, even if they were to take our lives, even if we die, yet shall we live. They haven't taken anything from us. With this truth, we have courage that comes from faith. That if we believe in Christ, if we believe that he came in our flesh for the purpose of dying in our place and of abolishing death, then whom shall we fear? What shall man do to me? And I don't care. You could be wired, you know, and, and we're all wired differently. Some people are just wired to be a little braver than others. Some of us are wired to be a little bit like Don Knotts in the 
Ghost and Mr. Chicken. That's referencing a, a movie from the 60s, boys and girls, so just, just so you know. But he was a very fearful guy, all right? And we might be wired that way. But if you get a hold of this truth, if you understand Advent and that truth, be, if, if you get a hold of that as a conviction deep in your heart, then you can be, you can have a little Holy Spirit swagger. You know, wouldn't it, the little Holy Spirit swagger? Like, huh, well, I don't, I'm not afraid. What should I fear? What, what's man gonna do to me? Hey, live in Christ and die is gain. Either way, I'm fine. And we can come off looking really, really brave. Why? Because there's this huge safety net there. Right? I could do all kinds of stuff on a trapeze. If I tested and made sure I liked the safety net down below, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be afraid to give it a try. And there's this great safety net that we have as Christians and we need not fear because Christ defeated death. We have also a bank account filled with joy. Have you ever thought of that? There's just like this joy deposit that's been made. And, uh, and, and we can go there. Any Christian who's taken a hold of this truth, it's any, anyone that truly has Christ, has that joy bank account. And I don't mean to say that there's never grief in the, there is absolutely grief in the Christian life. We, the difference is we don't grieve like other men, the Bible says. It doesn't say we don't grieve. If we lose someone, lose, if they're gone, there is, there is a natural grief that comes from that. And yet, because Christ has overcome the grave, because Christ came for the very reason that he might abolish death, we have joy that we can lay hold of. It's there. It's there for us to lay hold of because, yeah, because we're in Christ's hands and no one can take us from them. All these differences and more are uh, for us who believe because we know that Christ came for our sake and destroyed death. How many of you like this time of year? Just a show of hands. What's wrong with you? Really, really, what's wrong with you? I don't understand. You, you like it. You like this time of year. How many, how many are with me? That, I'm talking about the weather more than the, the season, right? Oh, now all at once you're on my side. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, maybe, and maybe it's because I put the two together that I can be a little bit of a Grinch, but I don't love this time of year. I, don't, I like long days, short nights. That's how I like my, yeah, I could live on the equator and be perfectly happy. It's just that would, that would seem fair to me, but these short days and long nights and the cold and people like oh I get a dress and a sweater it's like yeah 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 you realize the weather literally could kill you if you step outside without that sweater right doesn't that doesn't change your mind about it but we have what joy but we have joy yes I've got joy 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 yeah yeah, I don't know. I think it's a little bit of this, that sad, you know, seasonal affective disorder about it that I, don't, I don't, don't really love. But how blessed are we that Christmas falls at this time of the year? How, what, a, what a wonderful case of good timing. For it reminds us in the darkness, for those of us who are like just waiting for that winter solstice so we can start adding light, um, it's a beautiful thing to know that Christ came into this world to turn on the lights. Yeah, he came to destroy the darkness and all that goes with it. He came to destroy the sin pusher. He came to destroy sin's power. He, he came to destroy sin's penalty for our sake because we had flesh and blood. He took on our flesh and blood so that he might be an effective high priest and they might be a perfect sacrifice. That's the gospel and that's Advent. 
isn't it? That's why he came, to bring us that good news and that light. If you happen to be one who's sitting in darkness right now, just l- let me say this, that, that um, just as at night you know the sun didn't go anywhere, that, that, that the earth simply rotated. If you're in darkness, there's a reason you're in darkness. But it's not for a failure of the light. Light has come into the world, the scripture says. But it says that men love darkness because their deeds were evil. And maybe that describes you. What is that really saying? It's just saying you like your sin. You like it the way it is. Yeah, you complain about life and life is hard and life's unfair and bad things happen and evil's in the world, but the truth of the matter is you're clinging to the darkness because it it hides the truth. You don't want the truth. But if for a moment, if for a moment you would, listen, listen to what Paul says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. There's a light. It's there. Open your eyes. You say, I'm blind. Pray that God would open your eyes. That's what we're praying. We're praying that the Lord would open your eyes, and in, in, in a flash, in a moment of time, you would see the light of the glory In the face of Christ, you would recognize that great gift that was given at Advent, and you would just say, mine, (laughs) mine. (laughs) Take hold of Jesus today. Turn from the way you're going. Turn from the darkness. Say hello to the light and welcome it.